when I was 25 and a half, I started a podcast. The goal? To review some of the newest and the latest movies, along with some other stuff. With the help of my guests, I was able to do this, but there were dark forces tampering with my podcast and with me. They called it an improvised podcast for some reason. I eventually found help in the form of myself. Yes, the me from a universe where the movies I reviewed got delayed. Apparently, my podcast made it to his universe. I know now that it is my duty, for the good of that universe, nay, the multiverse, to keep recapping and reviewing these movies, to hold listeners over until they could eventually see the movies as they were made in their world. For some reason, they come out differently in my world, but it's kind of entertaining that way. My name is Steven Schinder, and this is Delayed Replay. Hello, listeners. Welcome to a strange episode of Delayed Replay. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Schinder. And on this episode, we're talking about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. You know, the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. We just saw it. Joining me on this episode, you've heard him on a few recent episodes. It is Mr. Multiverse. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Good to uh, hear. <laughs> yeah, I, I never know what to do. I never have anything clever to say. Just letting you know. <laughs> but, yeah, that's fair. Uh, like before recording, like when we called each other, you're like, how, how are you? And I was like trying really hard to remember what I've been up to recently. And it's like, yeah, it's not a really good question when you really think about it. <laughs> but yeah, so delayed replay Stephen strange in the mr multiverse of madness um yeah i got that joke out of the way so we can move on from here um so yeah i guess we can go ahead and start the episode by sort of going through our previous experiences with dr strange the character so what have been your prior experiences with him uh i've been a fan of the character for a uh, since time in memoriam, like even before, like the character was big in the com, big in the movies. It's actually kind of funny. Like I, um, I remember talking with my a friend of mine, Dan Tory. We were talking about the ideas for a Doctor Strange movie. And we were like, wouldn't it be so cool if Benedict Cumberbatch was the guy they they had to play Doctor Strange? And lo and behold, I was right. <laughs> uh, I mean, pretty. I'm pretty sure everyone called Benedict Cumberbatch to play Doctor Strange, but like. Yeah, I, I'm still taking that W. Nice. Yeah, like, I, I remember a couple years before the movie came out and before, like, the casting was announced, lots of people were fan casting him in the role. And, like, I was kind of, like, eye-rolly about it because, like, Cumberbatch felt hit and miss to me at the time. Like, I thought he was really good in Sherlock, good as the voice of Smaug, and, um, but I wasn't really into his role in star trek into darkness like that was yeah they should have done better with that movie but then i saw the imitation game and i was like okay yeah he's a great actor i'd be totally fine with him playing doctor strange and i think he's done a pretty good job when i first found out about the character i feel like maybe i've told this story before of like 
2006 was when I got into like the larger Marvel universe. Like I'd watched the Spider-Man movies, but Marvel Ultimate Alliance was the video game that introduced me to like this wide array of superheroes. It's like, whoa, they're all in the same universe. And of course, Doctor Strange is one of the characters in that you because headquarters ends up being like the main menu place where you like walk around before going on missions or whatever and (laughs) i did see the animated movie at some point dr strange sorcerer supreme have you seen that one i've seen it like once and i was like i do not like this (laughs) it's 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 just as bad as that animated iron man movie that one was also i remember both of those movies being pretty bad okay yeah i watched the Because those came out around the same time as like these two Ultimate Avengers animated movies. I think I watched the second one of those before the first one. But like on one of those, there was like in there's like a preview of Invincible Iron Man, I think, or whatever that horrible animated movie was called. And there was like an animatic preview of the Doctor Strange movie. And I think it took me a while to get around to watching that one, maybe even like a couple years before or shortly before the live action movie came out. And I remember enjoying it, but I don't remember much about it now. Recently, I finally got around to watching the 1978 TV movie, which was pretty boring. I don't know if you've seen that one before, Um, but it's kind of like the Star Wars holiday special in that it came out in 1978 on CBS It's an hour and a half, and it's like, when you watch it, you are kind of feel like you're wasting your time. Like, most of that movie felt like a generic hospital show. It's not until, like, 55 minutes in that strange stuff starts happening, and it's, like... strange stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, like, they're limited by the effects at the time, so it's, like, the most they could do is, like, Doctor Who intro type of stuff. And yeah, there's like not much personality to the characters in that. So by comparison, the MCU Doctor Strange movie from 2016 is significantly better. I remember being impressed by the visuals the first time around, although the second time around, I was like, ew, these like effects are they kind of make me feel uncomfortable. (laughs) Like I wasn't appreciating them as much the second time around, but Like, compared to that 1978 movie, it's like, yeah, this is totally a lot better. So what were your impressions of the first movie when that came out a few years ago? I I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was... um, I know some people saying, oh, it's generic, and I'm like, where? Um, I don't... Well, I mean, like, some of the MCU humor does kind of kill some of the dramatic moments, but it's not, like, at nauseum with some other Marvel movies. I especially love like there's a lot more human element to this um, to that to, there was to that movie. I really liked like that's one of the Marvel movies. Whenever I think about I want to watch a Marvel movie. It's one of those th- like four that I usually go back to the most. The other three being Infinity War, Civil War and Winter Soldier. <laughs> most uh, mostly Captain America stuff. Yeah, I kind of understand the criticisms, how like it does have its own unique elements 
But I do understand how people felt like this kind of feels like it feels like his backstory is like an Iron Man do over type of thing. And I do agree about like some of the humor, like thinking back, it's like the part where like I think he's like trying to run somewhere and like the music stops and like the cape is like tugging him in another direction or something. And it's like, yeah, that kind of killed the momentum of the scene. But other than that, I thought the first film was well executed for the most part. Yeah. And like the whole Dormammu, I've come to bargain thing became like a really fun meme for a little while. Although I haven't seen that in quite some time. I feel like he's played a really pivotal role in the other movies as well, like Infinity War and Endgame. And it's been really cool seeing how he's... Oh, he was also in um, Ragnarok, right? They reused yeah. that well, post-credit it's kind of, scene. It's kind of par the course for Doctor Strange. He's usually used as a support cast um, in most comics when he doesn't have a ongoing uh, uh, at the moment. He usually plays like a big, big character in like other people's books. That's 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 part of the course. So him being a pivotal role in major events, that's that's another Tuesday for a Marvel Comics strange story. <laughs> I've actually heard someone say that like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe should have just ended with Avengers Endgame. But then I'm like, wait, and leave that post credit scene at the end of Doctor Strange's first movie dangling? Like, that makes no sense to me. Because, um, like, the end of the first movie teased that Carl Mordo would become the villain. And he's like, no more sorcerers. And it's like, it would have been weird to leave that dangling, which is why I'm glad that they finally brought him back for this next movie uh, in the multiverse of madness. Yeah. I love how this is movies tying in. It's doing a lot. Like this movie did a lot um, for being one, like being a sequel. It's also like being a sequel to multiple things. It's a straight up sequel to not only Dr. Strange, it's dealing with the fallout of Endgame. We're also dealing with WandaVision. And yeah, we're bringing in another new character into the MCU. So this movie does a lot. Yeah, it definitely does. Like, it kind of feels at times like maybe it's doing too much. But at the same time, much of it feels very entertaining and like, I don't know. I think this could potentially be one of the most remembered MCU movies, but I guess only time will tell. One of the characters who gets introduced is America Chavez. So what do you think of America's role in this? Uh, America Chavez in here, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I like how she's kind of used as like a as a vehicle to get the going. Of basically, like her universe got blown the fuck up by a big villain, bigger villain than Carl, uh, than Mordo. And I like how they kind of emphasize that, yeah, Amer America Chavez didn't want to be in this universe. She just got thrown here in the district, kind of like almost like Superman, because um, her, her mother's um, sent her here. And now she's here in this universe and she's like, yeah, my universe got blown up by something worse than anything you could imagine. And Strange's first reaction is it was Dormammu. It's got to be Dormammu. She's like, no, no, no. This is the thing that gives Dormammu nightmares. <laughs> um, I guess we'll talk about the the, the big villain in here. Uh, do you want to do that now or do you want to wait? I mean, we don't have to go like linear. You're referring to Shuma Gorath, right? Yeah, Shuma Gorath. Now. 
for those who are uninitiated, Stephen, uh, <laughs> uh, Shuma Gorath is a Doctor Strange villain who's kind of like, he's like this eldritch god kind of creature who his whole spiel is that he basically, he is basically like, he's this godlike creature who like consumes universes. He's also an enemy to Conan the Barbarian. Oh, really? Um, yeah, in the Mar- when Marvel had the rights to Conan the Barbarian, Shuma would show up there along with Red Sonia. Oh, okay. Most people would know Shuma best for being a character in Mar- in Marvel vs. Capcom 2. The Marvel vs. Capcom games are a blind spot for me, but my brother and his friends have played it a decent amount, I think. Also, the name reminds me of uh, a similar Cthulhu-looking thing that appeared in Solo, a Star Wars story, which is called the Summa Verminoth. So I'm guessing that maybe they have similar etymological origins. Yeah, um, the creature that is like the Shuma is based off of is Azathoth from H.P. Lovecraft mythology. Azathoth is known as as the blind idiot god, but... He's basically like the end and beginning of the universe simultaneously. When it later shows Shuma Gorath in this film, like I found him more menacing than that thing from Solo. I guess it helps that like in Solo, the sequence is supposed to be partially funny. But here it's like, whoa, this is really terrifying. So this movie was originally supposed to be directed by Scott Derrickson, but he dropped out and they got Sam Raimi. I think Sam Raimi did a really good job making Shuma Gorath very terrifying. Like it felt like he was going back to his uh, roots with the first couple Evil Dead movies. Yeah, Um, that's my thing, too. I actually love like when we we don't even get Shuma's name dropped until America gets plopped out in like plopped out of her universe. He's just kind of treated like the monster in the shadows. And I really dig. I really love that. I even love like the because he is based off of um, H.P. Lovecraft. I like how the movie starts with um, Strange coming to like a cult, like this almost like shadow over Innsmouth cult in Maryland. And it's it's straight up like a horror scene. Like you've got people. It 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 definitely feels like Sam Raimi really wanted to do an H.P. Lovecraft movie, and this was his pitch for it. Yeah, he definitely strikes me as a type of person who's familiar with Lovecraftian mythology because I think the Necronomicon is even based on. Yeah, like, the Necronomicon is actually from um lovecraft mythology and you can see some of those like evil dead uh, techniques when like before we actually see shuma gorath we see from the monster's point of view like moving through like the setting and like it's really like i've heard some people say that it was very dizzying for them but for me it was like whoa i'm feeling nostalgic for this because of like Evil Dead, and I mean, he's Sam Raimi's even done this in the in his Spider-Man trilogy, like those types of POV shots. So, like, I, I mean, I, I dug it. I just really love the cinematography. Oh yeah, this is this is Sam, a lot of people forget that Sam Raimi his start was horror, and a lot of people forget that. And it's nice to see him come back to his roots. If it's super, even if it's superhero horror, I think he was the perfect pick for this movie to replace Derrickson. I'm glad they're still using like bits of, of Derrickson's script. I'm glad they at least gave him that. I also appreciate that Marvel didn't burn bridges with Derrickson so he could come back. Yeah, like if they ever want him to come back, like they could like work something out, I'm sure. So 
Yeah, it's like that could be in the cards in the future. Like before this movie was like being filmed, like there were some concerns. Like I think when it was originally announced, there was like a miscommunication of whether or not this would be a horror film. And I think Feige or someone over at Marvel Studios kind of went back and said, oh, we we meant that it'll have horror elements, not that it'll be a full on horror movie. And then that sort of made some of us fans like kind of groan because like we've said before, MCU has been kind of samey at times. But like I was surprised that like there's still enough horror elements to appreciate in this movie to make it. Like, I kind of consider it a superhero horror film. Yeah. Um, I will say that it does play heavy in the horror elements than most superhero movies. Like, because it's Sam Raimi. Like, Sam Raimi basically went, I'm Sam f***ing Raimi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll do what I want, Feige. And Feige was like, damn, okay, just let him do his thing. (laughs) Raimi has a lot of clout, so you kind of have to. (laughs) Yeah. You know how many horror movies I produce, Feige? A lot. None of none of all of them are good, but I produce them, damn it. <laughs> so yeah, um, it also explains... I also like how this movie, tying in, going back to the Shuma Gorath cult stuff, this actually explains why Doctor Strange never knew about what was going on with Wanda in WandaVision, because he's been going around stopping this cult recently, because these guys have been kind of amassed since the blip, like like a new religion. And they're like trying to like ush- they're trying to like worship their sh- their god um, Shuma Gorath, and the- after the blip, they've been basically getting new recruits because you know you got to find a new religion when the world ends. Yeah, this really shows the ramifications after the events of the blip. Get out! Get out! <laughs> I don't care if it's your podcast. I'm taking over now. <laughs> This is just a Mr. Multiverse podcast now. <laughs> yeah, this is Mr. Multiversity. Anyway, so it, I mean, it makes like that's actually like a logical step. Like it would make sense. People who lost like the rapture essentially happened. And now people are like, oh, but why wasn't I taken? And then along comes people who'd be like, oh, sh- you believe in Shuma Gorath now. It, it's basically like that Rick and Morty episode with the giant heads. But yeah, <laughs> like like it makes sense that they would react this way. Yeah, it's because, again, people are people believe in a would believe in anything. Have you have you literally seen uh, the last four years of American government? <laughs> um, I don't I don't yes. think I need to say more now, do I? Anyway. But yeah, that's actually like it brings up a good it, it fixes a plot hole of where was strange during during what happened in um, in New Jersey. And now it's like, oh, he's been running around stopping a cult from bringing an eldritch god into our plane of existence. Makes sense. Yeah, because in many Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe stories, there's always that question of like, oh, wh- why don't they call this person or that person? Like even as far back as Iron Man 3, you even had someone within the movie be like hey why don't you call the avengers and an ant-man he's like i think we should call the avengers but yeah here like we have a good explanation like watching wandavision some people thought that doctor strange would appear at the very end and while that did not happen we still got like a nice little tease of what was to come with like wanda getting the dark hold like once again another evil book so that works pretty well under Sam Raimi now and how she's like trying to like get the twins 
back and it's like yeah that's like we see now how WandaVision connects to in the multiverse of madness how that we've seen it speaking of the dark hold i love how raimi makes a nod to the necronomicon with the drawings um some of the drawings look like the the pages from the book of the dead in the evil dead movies like there's like i was like hey i know that's i know that page I vaguely remember like hearing, I don't remember if this was within some story in the Evil Dead franchise or if it was maybe Bruce Campbell or someone said it, but that like the book can move between different universes. And so if there's kind of like that question of like, can it take the shape of the Darkhold? Like there's that fan theory floating around now, especially since like we get that scene where like they're going through the different universes and in one of them we see a version of Ash Williams uh, played by Bruce Campbell fighting Marvel zombies. Yeah, that blew my mind. Like, I knew Bruce Campbell was going to cameo in this movie. Like, there was no doubt about it. Even he said, yeah, I'm, be- yeah, I'm with Sam Raimi. Of course I'm going to show up in this movie. But there he is as Ash fighting Marvel zombies. I mean, they don't say his name. And, like, I also love how they got the cast from Ash versus Evil Dead for that quick scene. Like, I love how that wasn't even advertised. Like, People just said, oh, Bruce Campbell's in the movie. And people are like, oh, what role is he going to play? Guess what? It's Ash, and he's fighting armies, the uh, an army of Marvel zombies. Like uh, like that crossover. Year, years ago, I read that um, comic book crossover. I, I think it was called Marvel Zombies versus Army of Darkness. It was a lot of fun because you had him interacting with Spider-Man. And you, have like a, you see a glimpse of that at like little scene, and it's... Like, yeah, it's it's as if this this is like how it would happen in the world of Ash versus Evil Dead. And I don't know if it's meant to be the same universe or not, but it's cool that like if we're not seeing the like the other cast members, like the exact versions, it's still cool to see like alternate universe versions of them in that. So, yeah, I thought it was a really nice touch. Yeah, it was a nice touch. Um, I guess we'll get to more multiverse stuff in a moment because boy, oh boy, do we get to talk about that. But like the build up there is like, um, I like how we get from point A to point B because right after we see like Strange is like, okay, Shuma Gorath, that's a thing. Like that's a thing. Like not even the, like Wong tells him even the ancient one was afraid, like was afraid of Shuma Gorath. And again, we're building up that this dude is scary with good reason. And then it goes to America Chavez being almost it's almost like a scene right out of Terminator where she's just like plopped in via like this energy bubble in the center of of uh, New York. And of course, she's metahuman. So she's got all these superpowers. And Doctor Strange, who like senses it during meditation, like this dimensional blip essentially happening. And Strange just goes to see this frightened girl. And he's like, it's okay, I'm here. Just talk to me. It's not he doesn't throw a punch. He doesn't try to do any like fighting. He just takes this child by the arms and goes, it's okay. let's talk. And I like that. I like I don't need every costume character to throw a punch every time they see each other. I just this is just a scene of a dude taking care of a frightened child. Even back in um, the Avengers 2012, when you have the heroes coming together for the first time, they like throw punches at each other first. And it's like. That's a really played out trope. So like this here was like really refreshing. It's almost like just how like um, Batman said to Gordon, it's like, you know, uh, you know, not everyone has to be a hero. A hero can be like a kid, uh, like um, 
a guy throwing a jacket over some kid's shoulders and just to let him know the world hadn't ended. And that's almost like the scene plays out here because he puts the cloak around her and he's like, come on, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's just just come with me. You know, it's a sweet moment because it's like superheroes being actual superheroes. I mean, yeah. not to say they haven't. I mean, like, I just like those character moments for superheroes is what I'm saying. Yeah, like sometimes, depending on the writer, they'll focus too much on the super part and not so much on the hero part. Like, like I remember recently, there was like some post in some Marvel group where they were like, they like didn't like that the heroes in TV shows like Falcon and Winter Soldier were like too human. They're like, oh, they need to be more super like in the comics. And it's like, uh, I was like, oh, how dare they be more relatable, you know? It's, yeah. it's just stupid stuff like that in fandom sometimes. Yeah, it's like, like what, my favorite moments with Superman are not when he's like fighting a giant robot or, you know, stopping an alien armada. It's just like him going around like there's a fun scene in a one of the Superman comics I own where Superman's just flying through Metropolis and some kids stick their heads out of the window going, good morning, Superman. And he's like, good morning. Remember to have a good breakfast today, kids. It's those moments I live for, for superhero stories. Yeah. Like those cheesy moments of Superman, they're, they're really lighthearted, really down to earth. And it's like, yeah, that's, I love seeing that in my Superman. So it's good that we get moments like that. Like here when, um, Doctor Strange like takes her to the Sanctum Sanctorum and like he gives her tea and they just like have a conversation about what's going on and it feels very like real like th this is like really great acting in this conversation they felt like real characters and uh, we could get a good sense of like what they're feeling about everything that was going on I, I just really loved this sit down moment. Because she's basically like, I don't like this thing called Shuma Gorath showed up. It destroyed my universe. And I just watch my parents die as the as I'm being brought here um, to protect me. And I don't you know, and she, you hear like her, like she's breaking down with every word. And then Strange just grabs her and just holds on to her. As she just starts bawling in his arms. I'm like, that's this. That's what I need for my superhero movies. Getting back to what we were talking about, the Darkhold. Um. I actually like that they actually bring up that when Strange was battling that cult um, and defeating them, they he he, he like Sumer Gorath Darkhold. I know what that is. Um, saw that in the Ancient Ones readings. Darkhold, bad news. And then when he's doing more research about it, he's like he learns about the Scarlet Witch, and like we actually get why the Scarlet Witch is is a bad thing. We they hint at it in Wandavision, uh, but they never really specify as to why the Scarlet Witch is a bad thing. Here, the Scarlet Witch is a freaking beacon to Shuma Gorath. Like, there's a Scarlet Witch in every universe, and they're used as, like, beacons to attract him. I was like, oh, that's a neat twist. Because, like, she basically can uh, can alter reality with her power, so it would stand to reason if she's open, like, tearing through reality, that means a thing that could traverse reality can be, like, its beacon. It's, like, almost like she's... Wanda is, like, his his herald essentially it's easy to miss but somewhere there's like this line about how the dark hold might have also been like because the dark hold has also appeared in agents of shield and there's a line that implies that oh it's the same book it came from that universe as well because it moves between universes and it's like 
the they're like these lines here and there that seem to imply that some of the Marvel television stuff branched off into their own universes at some point because of like all the time travel stuff that's happened in multiple shows and movies. So it's like this hand wavy thing that kind of explains of like why, why certain characters. Yeah. Why we never saw Coulson hang out with, with Steve again before Endgame, or why they never showed up in um, infinite or what happened in infinity war never affect them there. Yeah. It was a hand wavy thing, but I was like, all right, I'll give you that one. Yeah, like they kind of say that, oh, because of this, sometimes those universes converge and they can interact, but sometimes they like branch apart and they don't interact. And it's like, it's kind of an eye rolling thing, but it's like, okay, Marvel, have your cake and eat it too, I guess. I'll, I'll just roll with it. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not important to the story. So I'll just, I'll let him, I'll give him a bone. Um, that's fair. Anyway, so yeah, he's like, Oh, so I love how strange is like when he learns that Darkhold, Scarlet Witch, oh crap, where's Wanda? <laughs> we actually see that we switch to over to Baron Mordo and he's been hunting down sorcerers. And one that actually got me was that one of the sorcerers he kills is a actual Marvel character, Dr. Druid. You yeah, I wasn't familiar with Druid before this movie, but go ahead and like describe him for the uninitiated. A.K.U. Um, <laughs> Um, Dr. Druid is a character who's like another magic user, but he's uses more like druidic, more elemental magic. He's basically like if if a writer can't use Dr. Strange, he'll just go to Dr. Druid. That's basically how it is. He's he is he's great value, Dr. Strange. So that's pretty much all you need to know about Dr. Druid. Um, Dr. Druid, it was actually kind of cool to see him, even though he does get killed by Mordo in here because he's on his no more soldier, no more sorcerer rant. But then Mordo's like, he sees that Druid um, has has been gathering research on the Scarlet Witch. And he's like, oh, I got an idea. I'm going to go look for the Scarlet Witch, too, and put an end to all of it. Because now Mordo's gotten to the point of, I could do this, uh, like, it's going to take me forever to kill every magic user on the planet. How about I just get a thing to kill everything and just restart? Because I'll, I've seen the worst in humanity. It doesn't get any better. So how about I just get Sh this, uh, who, uh, this Shuma Gorath thing to just blow up humanity we'll start over like the universe will just piece itself back together in a couple millennia and we'll try again like he's that jaded of a person now yeah and in the comics you know with scarlet witch there's that whole no more mutants thing so like throughout this movie there's also the question of like oh could scarlet witch do a no more sorcerers thing and like how would that affect everything so it felt like there was a real sense of tension with like her and with Shuma Gorath being out there and Baron Mordo like investigating all this and it's like yeah there's like so much packed into this movie yeah it's it's surprise like you think Wanda and Strange are going to team up no it's more like America um and Steven looking for for Scarlet Witch while Scarlet Witch is getting tempted more and more by Baron Mordo who's like he just tells her look if you help me get to Shuma, I'm sure we can get Shuma to bring your twins back. And hey, you could he'll give you a universe where they exist and you can live there with them. And and she's so broken, mentally broken as a human being, she goes along with it. But then again, that's part of the course with Wanda. Mentally distraught Wanda, big event. That uh, it's that's happened three times. Yeah. Um, well, like it, it just goes to show that the TV show wasn't all like neat and tidy like it didn't resolve every single thing it like left things open and so 
it like moves it shifts very nicely from the show to this movie like it's yeah we continue to see her journey and how much she has changed and it's really scary to see the position she's in now yeah like she's kind of like um all i want is my kids this universe didn't do me any favors i don't care i also enjoyed how we're dealing with like other things from wandavision in that you know we get sword in here real quick and they even like strange goes to them and like why didn't you contact me and they're like uh yeah our last director hayward was wanting to keep this really hush hush and you were really busy so we (laughs) couldn't reach out to you that one didn't feel as eye-rolly to me because it just felt like really funny to me the way they're like going through all these lengths to like explain this particular thing and it's like yeah okay i'll roll with this one i guess (laughs) yeah so strange and and uh, chavez are basically i like how they play off of each other it's almost like chavez and Stranger, almost like a PG-13 version of Logan and um, X-23's relationship in oh, Logan. Oh, okay, so I'm not the only one who thought of that comparison. Okay, yeah, it felt very much like that to me, too. Because Strange never wanted children, um, and here he is with basically a person he's basically being a father figure to, and he doesn't know what to do. And she's just like, I lost my parents right in front of me. My whole universe is gone, and now I'm stuck with you, mustache. <laughs> mustache versus evil dead (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love the chemistry between the two is almost like a pseudo it's it's very much pseudo father-daughter relationship yeah Uh definitely so there's like some other multiverse stuff that happens as well um so there's a part where they like hop through like the x-men movies universe and like wanda sees uh peter maximoff and she's like wait are you ralph boner and he's like wait who and it's like oh finally we we have like the actual like the quicksilver who is in the x-men movies it's not like a fake out again and i was also surprised that we even got like a little cameo from patrick stewart as professor x in this movie yeah um and um hugh jackman shows like hugh jackman's like professor the hell's going on like he just walked (laughs) in with like a cigar in his mouth and he's just like what i miss (laughs) um yeah Uh, it was cool to see like hugh jackman wanted to be in the mcu so it was a nice little like here you go hugh we even here's another thing that blew my mind we actually bounce into the wesley snipes blade universe yeah that was like so mind-blowing like seeing him wearing the like outfit again it's like like we knew that we'd be getting a blade movie with someone else down the line but it's cool that we got like this pseudo introduction to the character in the mcu to kind of primus or those uninitiated for like the new blade who would be coming so it was a nice little like last hurrah for like the wesley snipes blade because the the third blade movie is pretty bad so it's like yeah you gotta give him like a good thing to end on you know yeah and i like how like it's just a brief scene of him um and actually this whole multiverse travel thing felt very much like the um cw's equivalent to their c their christ on infinite earth with all the tv dc stuff so here's all the marvel movie stuff and i really liked that chris evans shows up as johnny storm for a quick moment yeah (laughs) maybe like like strange backs up and is like steve no johnny okay (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and we even like hop through a universe where John Krasinski is Steve Rogers. And like that reminded me of when like back in the day there were rumors that he would be playing Captain America, which of course didn't end up happening, but like it was funny to have like that little nod in there, you know. Yeah. Um oh, it was another fun one. Another one I really enjoyed. Oh, right. The scene where they get animated in there in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, do you hear like the 90s Spider-Man theme song for like the whole version of it, like as they're turning into like 2D animated characters? And he's and um they even brought Christopher Daniel Barnes, the OG 90s Spider-Man, as Spider-Man in here for a quick moment. I'm like, see you in Spider-Verse, Peter. Oh yeah, that was hilarious. Um and I think the most surprising one for me was when they hopped into the universe of like the 1978 Doctor Strange movie. And so you had like an older Peter Hooten reprising his role and Jessica Walter was back as Morgan Le Fay because like, like she looks older now and it's like, oh, it, she's like pretty much taken over that world as a result of the TV movie and it was kind of fun seeing them like deal with the like consequences of that trying to undo that for like a, a little chunk of the movie like this doctor strange team up thing like like as awful as the movie was it was cool seeing this team up and how like the older versions of like doctor strange and morgan lafay look more modernized but it's like those same actors and i think this is jessica walter's final film role like it, it was a nice touch that they said in memory of Jessica Walters in the end credits. I also like how this also pays homage to the other 70s and 80s. Like they basically say in this Doctor Strange moment um, that all the other 70s and 80s Marvel stuff was all connected, like Red Brown's Captain America and Bill Bixby's Hulk. But they're all gone. Like Morgan Le Fay has killed them all. Yeah. And, and we also get um, th there's even a version of the ancient one that looks like more like the one from the comics so it, it's nice that we get like all these it, it's pretty much confirmation that like every single marvel thing is like in this multiverse even the on-screen stuff and like the animated and comic stuff and i kind and, of oh, oh i have to talk about this scene because it 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 made me smile and laugh yeah um, strange in america while they're hopping through universes end up at, at marvel comics um in the 1960s and we see brian cranston playing stan lee <laughs> that was the best part he's like come on and oh who i forget who was the actor playing jack kirby it was brief because it was brief too like i love it's the moment of them just at stu at the studio like trying to create dr strange and strange walks by and jack goes ah i got it <laughs> it, it was edward norton playing him and it was weird because like he doesn't really look that much like Jack Kirby, but it's like... Oh, that's was, why. Like, that's because uh, it was Edward Norton. That's right. I was just like... It, and it's been a while since I've seen Edward Norton. And it's actually nice to see him back in the MCU in a yeah, way. They, they had him in like some really good makeup and like uh, like fake hair or whatever to kind of make him look like Jack Kirby. But it, it was... Yeah, it was really weird. I think that they even make a reference to like, hey, you kind of remind me of this other doctor from back home and it's obviously like a bruce banner reference because he played the first mcu bruce banner but 
Yeah, those look good. Nice little tip of the hat, I guess. Yeah. Um, but like Cranston, because a lot of people wanted want to see a Stanley biopic with Cranston as Lee. So I was like, that that was that was funny. That was funny. Yeah, and Brian Cranston's a really great actor. So like, I would be so down for that. <laughs> um, yeah, it very much reminded me of. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but there's that oh, like the, the Turtles Forever ending with Eastman and Laird at the yeah. end. Yeah, <laughs> it's like so cheesy, but yeah, that this reminded me of that. Um, but hey, if '90s Spider-Man can meet Stan Lee, then why not? You know? Yeah, there's like so much really like that's this really does feel like a Crisis on Infinite Earths thing. Like it, it definitely has that feel and. You even have like the Elizabeth Hurley, Morgan Le Fay from Runaways facing off against the Jessica Walters one. And it's like, I guess it gets to a point where it feels kind of self-indulgent seeing all these like crossovers between the different versions of all these characters. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, this is like comics, yo, this is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's all like at least like it's not like overindulgent. It's like it, it like it knows when to stop but yeah it is it's a lot of fun like it's a great way to show that the marvel movies of like remembering everything that came before so that was neat i think it was kind of interesting but also kind of distracting how like at different points throughout the movie dr strange is like oh i gotta check up on someone and like he's like we don't see him check up on the someone but he mentions that it's peter parker and I guess that's supposed to mean that like Spider-Man No Way Home takes place during the events of this movie. And so like we'd have to watch that movie to see the other side of things, which is kind of annoying, but also gives you a good sense of when they take place in relation to each other, I guess. But yeah, like we, we could go ahead and like talk about the ending now. Yeah. So the ending is that um, Shuma Gorath basically just shows up at the U- the MCU universe and that's and like they've been tearing through the universes so far is that's what's what's causing all these other characters to show up on the main earth and Wanda realizes oh shit, what have I done and then Wanda dies kill she dies destroying Shuma Gorath yeah like I was like really shocked at how she just like rammed into Shuma Gorath and like there's like the it was like a fantastical looking explosion. Like it didn't look like a generic, like fiery explosion. There was like some sort of cosmic aesthetic to it. I'm not really sure how to like describe it, like without actually like showing how it looks, you know, but it, it looked really cool in 3d, I guess. Yeah. Um, it was, it was shocking. Uh, Mordo is still a lot like Mordo's alive, but like, his magic has now been severed because he was like heart. Like he was now borrowing magic from Shuma, but now Shuma's gone. So now he's, he's, he's gone. Like his magic is now like gone. And Steven says, you know, this is what you deserve because like, didn't you want a world without sorcerers? So there's one less sorcerer. Now I like that. America, like he offers America to stay with him. He offers America Chavez to stay with him at the end, but she's like, nah, I need my I need my own space, so I need to figure out who I am. But thanks anyway, and I'll know who to call, you know. So I was like, 
Oh, I was hoping for more like father daughter stuff between them because I was really liking that. Yeah, like it was a really good dynamic. And I was hoping that like maybe she could become like the sidekick or something. But then again, like I'm not super familiar with her, but I'm sure like Marvel Studios could make a good solo movie about her. I'm just not sure what they would call it because you know, we got the Captain America stuff. So like another movie with the America in the title might be kind of confusing. But then again, it's Marvel and they could be like, yeah, we don't care. People will see it anyway. And just they, they can give a good idea of what it would be about just through the marketing and the trailer, I suppose. Yeah. And then we cut over to like the end of the movie, not credits. This isn't an end credit scene. I mean, an after credit scene. Wanda's twins showing like back on earth and they're just like hanging out with um back in pleasant view and they're just like oh we're home so it's like oh yeah you're totally like the next we're building more and more into young avengers that moment like it broke a lot of like viewers hearts seeing that like they're back but wanda is gone it's like whoa what's gonna happen now like especially when they like find out what happened to her but yeah, like, like, I think you have a good point. It's probably building toward young Avengers, along with, like, all these other younger characters that are introducing, I guess. Yeah. So, for end credits, we actually got two more. We got we actually got, like, two, as always. So, the mid credit scene is Mordo, you know, back, you know, back to being powerless. And then along comes the Mandarin, and he's like, hey, you want to roll? You want to roll with us at the Masters of Evil? So we're building to that now. Again, we're still building to that, like from Shang-Chi to here. Yeah, it was very bold move because this was the next movie after Shang-Chi. But I guess by now they expect that, oh, enough people have seen Shang-Chi to know what's up. Like, because, you know, like Marvel has such a huge, consistent audience. So, like, of course, they would have seen Shang-Chi, the majority of them anyway. And so it really ties very well into this ending and like the whole masters of evil thing is something that people have been wanting for a while and it's like really satisfying to see that that's finally coming together slowly but surely yeah and then oh my that final end credit scene that final after credit scene holy crap toby mcguire as spider-man um in our universe like we see spider-man swinging around and we're thinking oh is this a tom holland spider-man but then he takes off the mask and he's like pizza time and then it like cuts to black well uh, well like his whole thing is like he's swinging around and then he's like he takes off and he's like where the hell am i yeah <laughs> but, but i know i know i was thinking pizza time too <laughs> right yeah i was thinking of the meme that like someone like took the clip and then replaced the audio with pizza time. Cause you know, that's become a, such a huge meme. And there are some people who say that if you look closely at like the reflection on the building, you might be able to see Andrew Garfield's face. I I'm not 100% convinced yet, but I'm sure Garfield will be in the like Spider-Man no way home movie along with McGuire. And it's like, I'm really excited for that. Like, yeah. I mean, like, it was a cool scene, but like, I'm still like, we did this right the first time. It's called Spider-Verse. We don't need yeah. a live action version of this. <laughs> yeah, you but know? then again, um, I mean, Into the Spider-Verse 
Well, I guess you could make like the argument that like the Spider-Verse story has been done multiple times in other media as well. But yeah, I guess it's like the first movie version and it was done really well. But I am still looking forward to this, even if it's not as good. I, I think it'll still be fun seeing Maguire and Garfield interacting with Holland. Like if just those interactions on their own are entertaining, then it's like, yeah, I'll I'll be satisfied with the movie, even if it doesn't reach the high highs of Into the Spider-Verse, you know? Are you surprised they didn't bring up Vision at all? Like, the white Vision? Yeah, that was really weird, because, like, with this being a WandaVision continuation, you would think they would have, like, mentioned him at one point. Yeah, but, like, not even a hint. Like, you didn't even see him, like, go look for the kids, or, like, go uh, go help to, like, save Wanda's soul. It's like... All right. Did y'all forget that he flew off into the ether? Yeah, maybe someday we'll get a movie or a show that explains why he couldn't be involved in the events of this movie. I don't know. (laughs) It'll be like such a cop out thing, I bet. But hey, that's it happens sometimes. So I don't know. So what did you think of Danny Elfman's music for this movie? It was actually pretty good. Um, I've always liked Elfman can be very hit or miss with me. But here he knew what he was doing. Like he really plays that kind of gothic horror when it when we're in like those horror elements, um, which I think some of his best work is Batman. But I think his best recent work is from the 2010 Wolfman. And it really shows like that version of uh, that kind of gothic horror theme that Elfman was doing with Wolfman in here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love Danny Elfman. Um, But I do think sometimes his soundtracks sound kind of too similar at times. If if you're comparing like the superhero movies he's done, like Batman and Spider-Man with like Tim Burton movies in general. Um, I remember the first time I felt like he sounded really different was when Real Steel came out. Um, I don't know if I can't remember if you've seen Real Steel before. It's like the Hugh Jackman yeah. movie with yeah, like fighting it. robots. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. And like that soundtrack felt really different from his other stuff. So it felt really refreshing to me. And uh, weirdly enough, there's going to be like a Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie with Vin Diesel in it. Like it's weird. Like that announcement came out after after like me and my friend Greg recorded the Fast X episode of Delayed Replay. It's weird coincidence. Yeah, um, um, it's all about family. Punch. <laughs> yeah, the F stands for family. Um, but yeah, like I said, Danny Elfman can feel like too much of the same at times. Like even in Oz, the Great and Powerful, which is essentially an Army of Darkness redux. But I agree that in this Doctor Strange movie, he really varied his like what he's able to do and. It felt appropriately gothic, but also sometimes like appropriately heroic. Like it was a good marriage of those different ends of the spectrum. And like, I think this is like one of his best soundtracks uh, I've heard like for movies. And so it was like really great. Yeah, totally. All right. So um, I guess we could go into final thoughts and score a 10. Uh, do you want to go first or should I go first? Uh, you go first. Okay. Um, I feel like this is 
one of the best like MCU movies out there, in my opinion. And, and I admit that maybe I'm saying that because like some of it is very like I admit that some of it does feel fan service e, but at the same time, I love that they're playing into the multiverse route. Um, like both Marvel and DC have been playing into it, and I just love it that they're both embracing those comic booky elements on the big screen and the small screen. It, it was very rewarding watching it, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and seeing how like all the different elements, like Doctor Strange, WandaVision, and all the other stuff from other universes, like just it, it feels like a payoff to multiple things all together. And so, like, I know, I like, having just seen this, maybe I'm feeling really biased right now because I still have that feeling of, like, oh, that was such a good movie. Um, but I think at the moment, I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10 Sanctum Sanctorums. Okay. Um, I would I would say that's roughly my score. I um. I enjoyed the the real like love that went into this. The human element with um, Strange and America felt more like more to me than it did the whole fan servicey multiverse stuff. But um, all in all, it's a really good movie. So I'm going to give this um, also nine out of ten. But I'm going to give it nine exploding Wandas out of ten. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Okay. Um, I guess with that, uh, thanks for joining me again. Where can people find your stuff on the internet? I am Mr. Multiverse over on YouTube. Uh, that's, that's it. That's, that's only where you can find me. Yeah. And I'll include that in the show notes as usual. Um, as for, where you can find me you can find me at steven schinder on instagram and twitter steven schinder storytelling on facebook you can find my fantasy horror comedy novel lemons and like rain it's on amazon more info at stevenschinder.com find star trek culture episodes on the playlist section of the culture site youtube channel and there's also a podcast that me and my dad are putting out called um Listeners probably aren't very familiar with this band, but it's a progressive rock band called Yes. And we're both huge fans of it. So we decided, hey, let's do a podcast about it. And it's called Yes Shit. The <laughs> I literally only know that band from Owner of a Lonely Heart. And the fact that the, the lead singer also did a song uh, with a Canadian pop singer for a song called Moonlight Desires. Oh, Lawrence Gowan. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah john anderson guessed on that song yeah um yeah owner of a lonely heart it's it's fine but it irritates me when it's the most well-known yes song because there's like so many other better ones like they have some really great 20 minute songs like close to the edge or gates of delirium that don't feel like they overstay their welcome they're like really well made and they just sound so perfect they have like a really weird history, lots of different lineup changes and uh, different sounds of different albums. And yeah, it's wild. So um, there's like a lot to talk about with them, hence the podcast. But yeah, I guess that'll do it. And if you want to email this podcast, you can email delayed replay podcast at gmail.com. 
let us know your thoughts on anything that's been covered on this podcast or just, I don't know, send random thoughts about some movie you like. I don't know. All right. And that'll do it without further delay. Have a good day. So this is just a little thing I'm adding at the end, uh, I guess, um, at the suggestion of who I'm talking to right now, uh, which is the Steven Schinder from that other universe. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, I got both doses of the vaccine, so yeah, I'm glad to finally have that done. So things are okay, I guess. Uh, what what have you been up to? Oh, well, I just recorded the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness episode for Delayed Replay. Oh, it's already out over there? Oh, well, me and uh, Mr. Multiverse were able to see advanced screenings. In both of your respective places that you live, you're able to see advanced screenings. That's pretty convenient. I know, right? It's weird but anyway um yeah i was telling you earlier that i've been having trouble trying to figure out what i want to do for the one year anniversary episode of delayed replay and you said you had an idea uh, i've been doing like sciencey things in my spare time uh, it's just like it's not much, but every now and then I see what's out there, and I actually picked up a transmission from a third universe, and it has a podcast that another version of us is on that uh, is not delayed replay. It's a different podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, for those of you listening, you are in for something really weird on the one-year anniversary episode of Delayed Replay, I'm sure. Oh, now I'm excited to hear about this. All right. Yeah, uh, so that'll be a little tease for you listeners, uh, and we'll see what happens on the one-year anniversary episode, which will come out in a week's time for all of you. But again, without further delay, have a good day.